Our next guest is an award-winning Canadian musician, composer, arranger, recording engineer, producer, and singer based here in Los Angeles. His recent credits include Pentatonix, David Foster, Arturo Sandoval, Al Schmidt, and many more. He has also found success on YouTube building and creating one-man band style videos. I like to think of him as a jack of all trades and master of, well, all of them. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Kessler is sitting down with us today here. On the hustle! What's up, man? Welcome. Thank you much, man. Wow, that was a generous introduction. That, it, w it was all true. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. How are you, man? You doing I'm right? good, man. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. It's good to have you finally on the set. We've been uh, talking about this for a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. You've got uh, you've had some amazing people on this show, so I'm really honored to be uh, here as well. It, it is it is our pleasure. And one thing that we're gonna you know start with is you're Canadian, and it seems like the road to success is more likely through Los Angeles. Um, it is. It's kind of uh, if you're gonna move to the states for music, there's New York, there's Nashville, Atlanta now, and um, yeah. and Los Angeles. So I'm uh, from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is kind of the middle of nowhere, Canada. And then uh, I grew up. I studied in Toronto, so I was living there. And Toronto's a great music city. And as you mentioned, a lot of artists will also go through Toronto or are from Toronto as well. So maybe at some point they make it to LA. And I always kind of felt as a producer, behind-the-scenes session kind of guy, that L.A. would be a good fit for me. But it wasn't until a couple years after I had finished school, I was still living in Toronto, and I was working, doing a lot of engineering, and I was able to do a session with producer extraordinaire Al Schmidt. Yeah. So he came up and did a two- or three-day session, and I got to be his engineer. So I really did my research to figure out, okay, what is an old-school guy like Al? What kind of, you know, what is his setup like? His workflow. His workflow how he's used the console. So I had the band all checked and ready to go. I had everything placed. It was a live tracking session. Your job was to set up the session so he can then come in and make tweaks, correct? Totally. So I'm, uh, okay. I'm not the head honcho. I'm just to do, do the job. And every producer and every engineer, whether it's you know someone old school like Al or someone new school, you know everyone has a different workflow. So I did my research to kind of figure out, well, Al likes to work the console this way. He likes to record this way. This is the kind of mics he uses. He just does a bass DI. So I really kind of went into the weeds and then, so I had all that stuff prepared, um, and he came in, and he sat down, and he said, all right, let's hear what it sounds like. And I'm like, you know, as an engineer, uh, kind of a second in a way, uh, I know he's going to go in there and change everything, and you know, but I tried to get it somewhat right. And he listened to the band, and he, he said, this sounds great. Let's start recording. And he didn't change a thing, and I'm just like, wow. Like, all that work wow. paid off. And we, cool. got, we got along so well during the session, and at the end of it, he said, you know, Andrew, if you want to come visit L.A. and come check out Capitol Records and meet some people, I'd be more than happy to show you around. And if ever you want to move here, uh, if you need a visa letter or anything, I'd be happy to write one for you. And I was just like, okay, if someone of that caliber is going to, you know, basically advocate for me to do this, I'm like, that's when it kind of clicked, like, this is my shot. This is my opportunity to move to L.A. I didn't have any job or anything lined up, but I just knew that if I was able to you know, attract the attention of someone of that, you know, caliber, then, you know, I could make it work. So what is it like for a musician when you're on a working visa? Well, it's not so much different. The only thing is that you're living in a new city and you're in a new country. You just have to kind of basically start from scratch, you know? So yeah. the stuff that I was doing in Toronto, 
Um, there are some gigs that maybe I wouldn't say yes to because it's like, oh, I don't need to network that way or I don't need to do that. Here, I came down here, I said, I don't know anybody. I knew Al. And so I just started saying yes to everything I could. Right. So I, was, right. I wasn't I was making any money. I was spending way more because LA is expensive plus right. the exchange rate. Right. So I'm just like siphoning out money. It was uh, it was very stressful, but that's kind of the the fire under your butt that you need to kind of you know make stuff happen. If you don't have, that's why I find a lot of successful people in LA happen to be transplants, is because they yes. you know making yes. a move whether it's you know across the country, you're from somewhere else in the states, or if you're from another part in the world, which many people are, you have that extra incentive to like, okay, I don't really have a backup plan. It's like either either I make it or I don't. And then are, are visas time? Do you only have a certain amount of time? Yes. So depending on what visa you get, I came here on a very short temporary performance visa. Mm-hmm. I only got it just so I could bring my gear over the States. So when I'm crossing the border, I was planning to live in LA, but I didn't have a somewhat permanent visa. So I, and if you just come as a visitor, I can stay for 180 days, which about six months before I have to turn back. But if I'm coming with gear and instruments and stuff like that, the security is going to be like, no way. Immigration's right. not going to let you in right. unless you have a reason to justify why you have all that stuff. Right. So I got in on a visa because I was you know, going to be playing with an artist or whatever. And some of those gigs didn't actually end up happening, but it allowed me to live in LA. And then once I was here, <laughs> I, got to, yeah, uh, yeah, the- I got to haul ass and basically network as best I could and was able to find an, an attorney down here, an immigration lawyer that was able to get me what's called the O-1 uh, visa. It's an artist visa. It has yeah. the most pompous name, the Person of Extraordinary, uh, Extraordinary Abilities visa. You know, I yeah. should have put that in the intro. I no, should have. don't, don't, uh, please. You do many things. I mentioned a few of them in the intro, but you have found success as a keyboard player yeah. in LA. Um, well, you have to be able to play the keyboard. You don't have to be the best. Um, I do try and like, you know, keep my chops up and learning new stuff and listening as well. But it's really just the same as any other gig. You got to be on time, if not early. You have to just treat every gig like it's extremely important. Just be prepared, learn the parts, especially get the sounds. If you program sounds, like so many people are lazy, especially if you get complacent doing <laughs> yeah. the same gig over and over. It's like, oh, we're, I'm playing this top 42 or I'm playing for this pop artist, but it's the showcase at Hotel Cafe, so no one's going to be there. And then if you have that attitude, it's not gonna work. Then, it, then you're just like, people are kind of going to know you're phoning it in. What's helped me a lot is just being very versatile, you know, being having that jazz background. Not that I'm playing jazz all the time, but because jazz is like, if you want to learn contemporary music, but you, but you take some time studying jazz, whether it just be the theory part of it, you really, it's really a great way to open the door into like understanding all different styles of popular music and being able to do what I do and be a chameleon, you know, play a, a folk rock gig and then do some sort of Latin gig or, you know, a fusion gig or, a, you know, right. just a straight up pop gig. So running tracks, what does that mean? I wasn't really running too much tracks uh, before I moved down here. Um, and it's something I kind of learned out of necessity to be like, you know what, that's one thing that'll make me even more valuable. Uh, des- yeah, more desirable yeah. if I have that little thing. So, you know, I spent, you know, a couple of weeks just like learning Ableton and, and making tracks. And I just, and now I've put in that time investment. So when, you know, when a really pro gig comes and someone says, oh, we need to do this and it's last minute because everything is, you just want to be able to say like, yeah, no problem. I've right. got the experience doing it. Especially these days, uh, pop acts a lot of times use backing tracks, which basically have sweetener parts, stuff that's not able to be played live, you know, extra synths especially, or drum samples and stuff like that. And so that's being uh, triggered using a, a, 
uh, computer that's kind of playing the tracks. The MD, usually a keyboard player or the drummer is doing that. And, you know, so the band's getting click and they're having to play along with this stuff. And it, you know, really makes the sound a lot fuller. That's what tracks are. Right. So it's layering and everyone's playing to a click. Yeah. It's basically to get like yeah. album production quality for a live gig. Right. Right. Which is now a norm. That's, yeah. That's, that's now the thing. So while Andrew shows me how to apply for a Canadian visa, here's another production tip from John Kubis. We'll be right back. What up, Beat Warriors? Welcome to another Logic Production Minute in 40 seconds. There's a lot of great analog tape simulation plugins out there, Gem Tape Desk, UHE Satin, and the UAD Ampex and Studer plugins, but what about Logic? Did you know if you take Logic's tape delay and turn off the delay part, you get a world-class tape simulation plugin built right into Logic? Let's do it. Uh, pop that delay plugin in on our track. Scoot it over here front and center. We want to make sure tempo sync is off and delay time is down to zero. We don't want any delay. Set our output dry slider to 0% and our wet slider to 70% to match our input. And you can mess with the low cut, high cut, and clip threshold to dial in your color and saturation. Once you get it sounding good, I challenge you not to put it on everything. For more tips like this, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash John Kubis and like and subscribe. <laughs> Thanks, John. So that's how you apply for a visa. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. So almost 3 million views and 12,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yes. How did you start? How it got started was that around 2008, well, let's say 10 years ago, um, I just had so many musical fun ideas that I wanted to do that I maybe didn't have people to do them with. And because I do, you know, play a lot of instruments and I've taught myself and then also kind of been trained to record and do all that stuff, I just figured, well, YouTube's the perfect way to showcase that. I can film myself putting together projects, whether it be me singing all the parts of an acapella arrangement, something right. jazzy, or if it's doing a one-man band thing. Um, you know, I get to arrange it. I get to just do it together. And it's not only a showcase of what I'm able to do, but it's... Like, a recording doesn't lie. And it's like, if I can get something to sound good, it's like a really good exercise to be like, all right, how is my guitar playing? How is my bass playing? How is my writing? How is my mixing? And it's basically just, you're just workshopping. That's awesome. And uh, so that it, com it comes from a really honest place. And if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see a wide variety of videos. I'm not trying to do one thing. I'm not trying to always do a certain type of video or a certain style of music. It really is all over the place. That's probably why I don't have <laughs> more subscribers. And I've also, since I moved here, I've been just way too busy um, that I don't have time to do YouTube videos nearly as often as I used to. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That's, that's it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah. So you, because a lot of these videos, what, you were making them in Canada? Yeah. Pretty so, much all of them. Yeah. And then you come to LA. Yeah. And why is it? Is it simply just you have to gig and you have to stay on that networking tip or... Well, it's almost, I knew that doing the videos, although it was fun for me, I knew that it was investment. And I did try to be strategic, not so much to like try and get viral views, although a couple projects I, you know, did, I tried to like go that direction a bit. Um, but I knew that it would be basically a portfolio, that if someone needed a gig, if I have a good looking, good sounding video, you know, I can just send that and it says all everything so I don't have to. I'm able to like do that for all the different things. I have a lot of videos demonstrating uh, my mixing, my writing, um, you know, even uh, even acting, which is a terrible thing. <laughs> Don't ever act. <laughs> all right. And scene. Yeah. 
<laughs> don't make me, please. Um, how do you make your videos? Is it like a one shot? Is it a one camera? What kind of mic do you use for those that are maybe want to get into it? Yes, good question. So I, I started with, uh, I had a Prezonus, um, what's it called? Uh, a a Firepod. It's an eight-channel mm. thing. So it's a Fireface thing. I was doing it all on my laptop. Depending on the year, I had like little ca- a Canon point and shoot that shot 720 HD. So I was using that for a lot of times. Okay. And then I was using Final Cut 7 to uh, do the video. I taught myself that. And then I kind of, I started when GarageBand came out. I was the perfect age. I was like, you know, 14 or something like that. And that completely changed my life. Like I Really? Yeah, wow. I learned how to use a DAW. And even GarageBand at that time was like, could still do so much. So yeah. it was a really I good I miss GarageBand. I went straight to Logic. Yeah. I still don't know how to use it. GarageBand was great. And then, so then I naturally moved to Logic. And then when I went to school and wanted to like work in the studio, they're using Pro Tools. Right. So I'm like, oh, I have to learn another one. And now I pretty much use exclusively Pro Tools. Um, I just find it's for working with audio, which I work with a lot, not just necessarily MIDI, but like real audio recording stuff. I prefer to use uh, Pro Tools, especially for mixing. Right. Um, so yeah, I would do one camera I, or like a, the Canon Rebel series is a good camera to use. And yeah, I would just kind of get some lights and stuff like that and, you know, prearrange everything. So when I was playing it, I was, you know, filming it at the same time and yeah, I mean, it's a real slog. It's a lot of it's work. It's a lot of work. Like, as much as I do it, like, it doesn't necessarily get that much quicker. The editing! <laughs> the editing, oh my god. We love editing. Yes, we do. Because it can take out things like this. <laughs> <laughs> you are literally recording, because a lot of people record it, like, in the studio, and then they'll shoot them miming it, but... For ex- vocals, I'll do that just because it's so hard to get a full full vocal take, of and course. I don't want to have to work because I look like an idiot when I sing. So <laughs> when, when I'm playing, it's okay. Uh, so yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll try and film exactly what I'm doing. Um, it also makes it that much easier to edit. To too. edit because you're already there. Yeah, but right. even having done that, like I'm no professional video editor, but you know, over time you just get better at it, and right. then you know, as, as you can you you know start to have a career, you have more money, you can kind of upgrade some pieces of gear. Yeah, you know you. The more you know about any given topic within music, even if it's not necessarily your number one thing, the more you're just so much more useful because you just ha- you just understand the whole process better. Is that the advice that you would give emerging artists or musicians that are trying to use YouTube? Maybe doing a digital business card? Yeah, it could be an EPK, a business card. Um, it can basically act as a, you know, not everyone's going to be able to see you play live or whatever. So you have to have, be able to have a one-click thing where someone can see what you do. And it has to be your best stuff. And I mean, as I'm not so much consider, consider myself an artist. I'm very much just a working musician. So I'm not trying to be like the Andrew Kessler band or whatever like that. So I can only kind of uh, speak to how it works for me. What I really enjoy about YouTube is that it's been able to connect me with some of my closest friends, people who live all around the world who have the same kind of uh, passion and interest, whether it be something about arranging or something about um, singing or whatever. It, it plugs you into a community and uh, even if you're not in person, it's still a very valuable thing to have. That leads me to my next question. Good. Uh, you are a founding member of the internationally known a cappella group, Accent. Yes. So did you meet them through YouTube? Yeah, so I kind of started YouTube, as I was mentioning. I did a lot of vocal multi-tracking, and I really, I, I love jazz harmony, so I was doing these videos where I was singing all the parts of jazz and barbershop arrangements, just for fun. And at the time, it was like when you know when Peter Hollins were starting to come out and a few others. Um, 
it was a really popular thing. You see the boxes of like, you know, 10 different versions of the same guy or girl singing, singing a song. And that started to take off, and which was good because I was around there at that time. So my videos started to kind of get a bit of traction as well. But I wasn't doing the pop thing. Like, it's cool. It's just not my style right. so much. Um, but I found five other guys uh, who were also doing a bit more jazz-leaning type stuff. And so we would subscribe to each other's videos. And, you know, we have three of them are in Europe. And there's another Canadian and an American guy. And uh, we just kind of became friends because we all love groups like Take Six and older groups like the Singers Unlimited or the High Lows. And so we had a common interest. And then we said, hey, why don't there's six of us. Why don't we try covering a Take Six song, like re-recording something from their original album? So we did that and put a video out and like marketed as an international collaboration. But you did it separately. Yeah, we all it did it separately. It wasn't like in one studio, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how things are done anyway these days. Right. So it's not that wild. But at the time, it was like kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it turned out like really well. We were very happy with it. And then got a call to do a gig in Sweden. Wow. Where one of our guys is from. So we were able to do a festival up there and it was the first time meeting. And it was like, I don't know. They say don't meet strangers off the <laughs> internet, but I, I think, think it's a great idea. <laughs> and, you know, you guys have been going all over the world to perform. Yeah, we've been in uh, Asia. We've done, you know, Los Angeles and uh, uh, Europe as well. You know, we're just trying to do what we love to do. And the fact that people are noticing and recognizing it. I have a great story. We did our first gig in L.A. It was at uh, Vibrato, Herb mm-hmm. Alpert's mm-hmm. Uh, place yeah. in Beverly Glen. And uh, our first show, it was sold out. And all the people there, it was like um, David Page from Toto, Ian oh, Freeborn wow. Smith, an amazing vocal arranger. He did the Rainbow Connection from Muppet Movie. Mm. And, uh, you know, all these members and all these arrangers of this kind of more older Hollywood music scene, and they're all there to watch us. And, like, every one of them had, like, multiple Grammys. And it'd be like, wow, we are attracting the attention of this caliber of people. That's pretty amazing. You also attracted, you know, one of my favorite trumpet players, Arturo Sandoval. Yeah, mine too, yeah. And you guys even, he did a feature for you guys, correct? Yes, yes. We, uh, just a couple of months ago, we released a video of, uh, we took a jazz standard, Cole Porter's Every Time We Say Goodbye, and we arranged it for uh, our vocal group and featuring Arturo. That's and, amazing. Yeah, so, you know, it's doing jazz and doing that kind of music. It's a bit more of a slow burn, but the payoff for something like that is just so heartwarming. So yeah, as a musician, you do have to find a good balance between doing those kinds of projects that require so much personal investment and energy, and then also ones that uh, give you the financial, you know, backing that you need and stuff like that. So it's a, I, as a musician, like a real working musician, it's really important to me to have that balance. Well, I'm really happy for you that you guys found success, because that's a great story. I mean, just starting off on YouTube and then you guys... Yeah, it's, you a, know, it's a fairy tale. End up reaching a lot of people that love your work, and I'm a fan of you guys. So, cheers, man. Kudos to you. Thank you. Uh, now it is time Uh-oh. for Rapid Fire. Ooh, I'm so excited. Rapid Fire! More than meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how to play. Okay. You have five seconds to answer each question. If you don't, I'll press this button. You're going to hear the sound. I don't want that to happen. And then we move on to the next question. Yeah. Try and answer as many questions as possible. Okay. Are you ready, Andrew? Yeah. Starbucks or Tim Hortons? Timmy Ho's. No question. I don't even drink coffee. Chili cheese fries or poutine fries? Poutine fries. Okay, these are catered to me. Nord or Yamaha? Nord. Humber Studios or Stag Street? 
They're both so good. Ah! Arranging or mixing? Oh, they're the same thing. They really are. Ah! <laughs> Don't touch my button. Man. I'm sorry, man. Don't touch my button, man. Who's your favorite Latin singer? James. Playing or music directing? Directing. Oh, you want to be in charge? Yeah. Okay. Rock climbing or cycling? Oh, rock climbing. Cycling's great, but rock climbing. I lived without a car in LA for a year and I would cycle everywhere. Do you have a hidden talent? I can ride a unicycle. Oh. Is that a talent, John? Uh... Toronto or Saskatoon? Saskabush. That's what we call it. Saskabush. Do you know the US national anthem? Yes. Sing it. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? Je m'appelle. <laughs> I don't even speak French. I'm a terrible Canadian. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that was Rapid Fire with Andrew Kessler. <laughs> Rapid Fire! Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. John and I, thank you for making the drive down. Hey, it's a pleasure. It's always fun hanging with you guys. Yeah, so. man, it was great. Uh, if you have any questions for today's guest or future guests, please send them in to the LA Music Hustle at gmail.com. And remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really helps us out, and we love hearing from you guys. Also, our show is available on podcasts on all digital platforms at the LA Music Hustle. So we're going to say goodbye, but you're going to leave us with a little treat for everyone to watch and listen. Hope you like Close Harmony Jazz. Andrew Kessler on The Hustle.
that you'd be good for me if you would play my game. You know I went to school and I'm nobody's fool. That is to say, until I met you, Ooh, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I don't know enough about you. Yeah!